You're listening to Wake Up with Patty Catter. Wake Up with Patty Catter. Where each week, Patty will interview guests that will motivate, encourage, and inspire you. Now, here's your host, Patty Catter. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Wake Up with Patty Catter. I am your host, Patty Catter. Um, today, I have with me Brian Paul on the show. I am so excited to have Brian on the show today because he is super energetic. You should see his social media. He's always like flexing his guns on there. Or, uh, yeah, talking about karaoke. Um, so, Brian served in the National Guard and he was, were you, you were deployed after? the Oklahoma bombing to that site? Let me make sure I get that right. Uh, I, I joined the, the 45th Infantry just shortly before, and so I was deployed to the Oklahoma City bombing for about two weeks, and that was my sole deployment, which mm-hmm. comes in later in my story yeah. uh, with uh, uh, addiction and post-traumatic stress. Mm-hmm. Which we're going to go there shortly. Um, right now, I'd like you to tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, where you're from. We can all kind of assume now where you're from. Um, maybe a little bit about your childhood. What, what, what do you have for us today, Brian? Um, absolutely. So I uh, uh, was born in Corpus Christi, Texas. Wow. And, I was wrong. Right. Well, uh, we moved to, my family moved to Oklahoma, uh, the Oklahoma City area, when I was two years old. And we, uh, but I grew up out in Mustang, Oklahoma, out just west of town, out in the country. So um, riding three wheelers and horses and fishing about every day and uh, playing football and basketball. And so that was kind of my upbringing. And uh, youth group, the church was a big part of my upbringing as well. So good old boy is what I'm picturing, right? Kind of country. Um, Pretty much. Yeah. So why did you join the National Guard? Uh, Myself and my buddy, his name's uh, Khalid Hussein, we were bored uh, one summer and we're like, what do you want to do? And we were like, let's go blow some stuff up. Join the, we were originally going to join the Marines. That's a good place to blow stuff up. Yeah. Right. I mean, so we ended up joining the national guard together. He is now, uh, we joined up as uh, private E2 and he was an E3. And so we had the little mosquito, you know, (laughs) our our collar. He's now a Lieutenant Colonel and commands the 180th cab here in Oklahoma. Wow. he went a little further than than I did. Wow, that's so interesting. One second, I have somebody coming in my house. I'm gonna pause this. So um, we did have a little tiny interruption, everybody. So we're gonna hop back here on track. And um, so you were talking about your uh, friend that you were in the military with, and he is a lieutenant colonel now. He is, yeah. He he made it to lieutenant colonel. Uh, my last, my last job assignment was rifle platoon leader. So I was in command of about 30 guys where he's in command of a whole regiment. So, um, so he went a little further. Wow. Oh my goodness. I guess so. So, um, you were telling our listeners at the very beginning about how, um, you were at the Oklahoma city bomb, the city bombing. Um, and I think most of us, watched it unfold on TV, you know, those of us who can remember it. And um, what was it like when you found out that you were going to be going on location there? Well, um, I found out um, on that morning, uh, my phone was was ringing off the hook. Mm-hmm. And I had been out late with the guys the night before. And so, I, of course, I'm not answering it. So 
uh, his commander calling saying, hey, you need to report to the armory. And our armory was actually um, about three miles from where I live at Oklahoma City University. And the bombing site was like three miles just south of there. So the job's right there. And wow. uh, it actually, the blast actually woke, woke me up and really woke the city up. Mm-hmm. And so we were down there for two weeks and mainly doing security detail and uh, putting up tents for the FBI and um, but spending time there on, on ground zero was um, a different experience to say the least, as you can imagine. Mm-hmm. About how old were you during that time? I was about uh, 19. Mm-hmm. So young. Maybe 20. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I can't even imagine. I have a daughter who is almost 20 and can't imagine if she had to go through something like that. Of course, when you're that age, you think you know everything. So were you, I mean, in the military, I know sometimes the guys get pumped about going places like that, but what was your feeling, your personal feeling? Were you kind of apprehensive about going, not knowing for sure why there was a bombing or what was your feeling at that time? Uh, it, it was it was very uh, surreal uh, because we were actually training up for somewhere like North Korea and we were enhanced readiness brigade and, and many of us were airborne air assault and would deploy with say like the 82nd airborne or the 101st or somewhere Mm -hmm. but being deployed actually just a few miles away is something none of us would ever expect but um that being said i think all of us were ready to go and do do our jobs and do what we were trained to do Mm -hmm. so um on your social media you talk a lot about post-traumatic stress and I'm wondering, could you share a little bit about what you experienced on how you ended up having um, post-traumatic stress? Sure, yeah. Um, so after I uh, completed my military obligation, I moved to Kansas City and I became a, a freight dock supervisor for what was then Roadway Express for about four years. We got bought out by Yellow Freight, so I lost my job there and wanted to rediscover my purpose. So I decided to become a firefighter. And so I first became an EMT uh, and then a firefighter, uh, volunteered for two years, uh, worked as a full-time EMT, EMT throughout, uh, and then finally got on uh, full-time uh, with uh, Central Jackson County Fire. Mm-hmm. Very, very busy fire district. We answered about 7,000 calls a year wow. out, of, out of five stations. Um, I was typically at the two busiest stations, so, so it was just go, go, go. Mm-hmm. And so... I began uh, self-medicating through that stress with alcohol, much like a lot of people, mm-hmm. even people that aren't even in you know, a service line of work, mm-hmm. um, to the point where I was full-blown addicted to alcohol, right? I just could not stop drinking. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, I subsequently uh, got divorced and uh, lost my job. Uh, had to, part of that was had to go on, on light duty uh, due to a back injury and so I was beginning to kind of lose who I was mm-hmm. and that purpose and that identity. Uh, so I ended up going homeless and living in my 2006 Jeep Liberty. Mm-hmm. And my addiction to alcohol got so bad that my bone marrow was actually not producing red blood cells like it should. So I was bruising all over my body and it was just a terrible mess. Mm-hmm. Um, so my turning point um, was where my mother actually finally convinced me to go to a 90-day treatment program mm-hmm. in Tennessee called English Mountain Recovery, where they had a 12-step program, uh, talk therapy, and also equine therapy, mm-hmm. which is what um, I put a lot of focus into. Um, we're actually building an equine-assisted therapy network here in central Oklahoma, which is actually coming along 
So mm -hmm. it's a, yeah. a big project, but I've been following your social media. You all have to follow Brian on social media because his posts are really interesting. And I love it when you post pictures with the horse. <laughs> like, um, yeah. it's amazing to me. So I grew up with horses, but I really didn't go around them much because I'm very allergic to them. But um, when I did, it was fun. My eyes would blow up and I still have so much fun. <laughs> but um, I, uh, I was very involved with having horses around at least. Um, so when I see your pictures of horses, that brings back good memories. My dad was on the mounted unit at the sheriff's department. So, um, oh, cool. yeah, it was really neat. Um, so. yeah. So I, I hear, and I've heard my whole life that horses just have this magical connection with humans. Um, and they can kind of feel what humans are feeling. What do you think about that? Well, you're right. Um, so we're using um, the evolution of the horse being prey animals and having a, a very highly sensitive alertness uh, to what would what would normally prey on them. And most people don't think of horses as prey animals because they're you know Big. between nine hundred and twelve hundred pounds. Mm -hmm. uh, so, but through using that, we're able to um, use that sense of alertness to really get a, a, a true understanding of what is going on inside someone that they are oftentimes not wanting to necessarily share. Mm -hmm. So if you take a, a type A personality, like a firefighter uh, who is accustomed to helping others, they're not oftentimes, uh, you know, they're not oftentimes accustomed to being able to receive that help. Mm -hmm. And so, um, so equine is um, where the, the therapist or sometimes they're referred to as facilitator. Mm -hmm. um, they actually watch the horse probably more so than the person mm -hmm. because the, the horse is actually mirroring the person. Mm -hmm. So um, when I went through equine assisted therapy, I went, they're typically about six weeks long. And when I went through, uh, my horse did not like me <laughs> <laughs> because we knew about the, we knew about the, uh, addiction to alcohol, but we didn't know about post-traumatic stress until my assessment hmm. when I got to rehab. Which makes total sense, all the things that you see as a firefighter. You, you know, yeah. somehow I missed that in your social media. Um, I'm not really sure how I missed something that big, but um, that's one thing that I've always wanted to address on the show, so I'm really glad that you're talking about that right now because we think of military with post-traumatic stress, but what about law enforcement, firefighters especially? Oh, my goodness. Um, so thank you for bringing that really important point up. Yeah, and, and I get that quite a bit where, you know, people wouldn't normally think of, of, you know, maybe the first responders because, you know, unless we call 911 or just even driving down the, the road, we don't think about what may be on the other end of that call. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, when you said that your horse mirrored people, I didn't realize that. So there, we that kind of made me think of something kind of fun from when I was a kid and we had a horse his name was Bummer he would dance and um like you turn on the music and he would dance but it's funny to me because I would dance every time I was around him and now I'm like we thought he danced but maybe he was dancing because I was dancing <laughs> or just maybe he was really nervous because she's he's like she's a really bad dancer <laughs> It, horses are so much like people. Mm -hmm. you know, they all have their personalities. And so what we do is we match up the, the, the horse's 
a horse that's got the right personality for to work with the human in in the um, in the program versus a horse that's a little um, less adapt to you know cooperating in the in the program. Mm -hmm. So, um, how did this program start? Do you know? Yeah, a good question. Um, the University of Missouri, I believe, and don't, and don't quote me on this, but I believe it was the University of Missouri Rolla back. Oh gosh, I can't give you a year there. It's been a while back. They began. Uh, they began, I believe, their first equine-assisted program. And since then, uh, the VA's done research where uh, they found that it helps eighty-seven uh, percent, or almost nine out of ten people mm -hmm. that go through it. Wow. Yeah. Now this is kind of funny, but did you know that there are service ponies? That's just a side note to our listeners. <laughs> I was reading, I, I was reading these laws about service animals, and I think it was for one of the airlines, and they mentioned that um, you could have a service dog or a service pony. So, just as a well, that's that's pretty <laughs> cool. That's a cool concept. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So now, I mean, like maybe you can look into that. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so, so what are you doing right now for yourself to stay sober? Oh, you know, um, manage there's, there's staying sober, which for me is pretty easy. Uh, and then there's the managing the stress, which is kind of a daily thing. Um, but staying sober, uh, it, I, I've just found a lot of purpose through leading veterans for life and, and working out and family and all those healthy things. Um, that to be honest, I wish I would have done when I was in the fire service mm -hmm. because it gets that stress out and it gives you purpose outside of self-medicating. Mm -hmm. But you know, everything that we go through, there's a reason for it. And we can look back and we can say like, we wish we could have done things differently. But fact is, I don't think you would be as strong as you are today in leadership if you hadn't gone through those bad, th the bad things. Because when I see your posts, you can talk about the really hard times and you know what it's like. And so I think that you can resonate more with our veterans, with our um, law enforcement, with our firefighters, EMTs, um, because you had to go through those really junky times. Um, but is, is there a, a website or how can people find your, it, it's called Vets. Can you say it again? Vets. First. It's Veterans for Life USA, oh, and it's, it's with the number four. Mm -hmm. Yeah, okay. you got it. Yeah. And our website is heroesinuniform.org. So if people just remember a, a hero wearing a uniform, mm -hmm. it's kind of an easy way for me to remember. Yeah, that is good. We're going to also have um, your logo on this video that's playing that people can watch. And um, you're in the show notes, we're going to have all your links. So can you tell people how they can find you on social media? Um, yeah, just go to Brian Paul, and um, that's me. I think my profile picture right now is is my, and this may change, but um, is my my mother and myself in Spider Man, and that was actually a mannequin in my parents' house that they had in there. They've got like this movie theater. It's really cool. That is cool. Um, I know too. When you see his page, watch you guys. I mean, he has all sorts of really interactive posts. He posts a lot about, um, he posts a lot of pictures of himself, which I really like actually, because, um, one of the things that I have a hard time with is posting pictures of myself. I tried it, but I do it because I know it helps people connect. And so every time I see Brian's picture pop up, 
I really can connect with him because he has this energy about him. You can tell his photos are um, very empowering and inspiring because when he posts, you can tell he is posting thoughtfully, even if it's to make somebody laugh or if it's to connect with somebody or to share his story about something or to encourage them to go lift weights or something. I don't know, (laughs) because it's, it's just really good. So Brian Paul, thank you. And, um, I, I would like to, um, just kind of continue to promote your organization because one of the things that I love about Brian is I help with a couple different nonprofits. And one day I asked if anybody could help me with something. And Brian's like, our, I can help you. Our organization helps with that. And I thought that was so great because so often you find um, organizations competing with each other. But Brian is was like so willing to help even if it wasn't his quote unquote organization. He just doesn't care about that. It's always about the veteran or the purpose. And so, Brian, I really do appreciate that um, more than I can even put into words. So, thank you. You, you bet. I want to. I want to show the audience something, uh, if I could. Mm-hmm. We have these. If you can see it. Yep. Um, we had these challenge coins made, wow. and they were made by a volunteer there in Florida. Mm-hmm. Oh. And they were uh, with a lot of input from our volunteers here in Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. And um, so our motto is stronger together. Mm-hmm. So I, I feel like there are a lot of nonprofits that, that naturally want to, you know, they, they understand stronger. We've got to get more volunteers. Mm-hmm. We've got to get more funds and all of those things that, that, you know, all of us need to, to make it. Um, but when we're stronger together, we come to, to learn that, it's actually becomes much easier with truly like-minded people that are just there, just, you know, even if it's not uh, something big like a mutual fundraiser or an event, Mm -hmm. just to be there and and just love and support each other through that common, um, uh, that common understanding that growing a nonprofit is difficult. So we have that natural admiration for each other. Mm -hmm. I love that. And I love everything that you're doing. You're just very inspiring. So thank you. And thank you for being on the show. And if you could go ahead and plug your uh, links again real quick. Yeah, it's uh, Veterans for Life USA. Uh, and that's with the number four. And our website is heroesinuniform.org. Thank you, Brian. And you can reach me. Yeah, thank yeah. you. And you thanks bet. for sharing about the equine therapy too a little bit. We're going to have to go a little bit deeper into that sometime. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. All right. And everybody, thank you for listening. And definitely check out Brian's uh, social media. And we're going to have those links at the end of the show. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Wake Up with Patty Catter. Be sure to visit www.pattycatter.com for the latest articles, podcasts, and swag.